Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Gamerpreneur podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Carlton. Today, I have a very special guest with us. I have Nicole Lee. Hey there, Nicole. How's it going? Hello, doing great. Wonderful. And uh, mm -hmm. where do you hail from, Nicole? Well, I was originally from Singapore and then popped over here to Sweden for work, and I'm currently working with uh, EADICE. Beautiful. All right. So uh, I don't like doing a lot of small talk. That was the extent of it. Where are you from? <laughs> so why don't we go ahead and just begin right into it and just tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> there, there's a whole bunch of different ways to approach this, but I think we'll start with how we got here. And ultimately, you know, I've been a gamer for quite a long time, ever since I was a kid, really. And one of the really cool things is uh, my parents. Because they said, uh, you know, you're going to have to do well in school. And in doing so, that will gain you access to the console. Now, the console became a prize, right? Which is one of those things where you actually start working towards stuff. And then you get really good at it because you say, okay, there's a reward. What do I want to do to get the reward? Do well in school. Get to game. So I, I started seeing gaming as its own reward. And, you know, I did a fair amount of gaming because I got good at school, right? And then I wound up in the games industry worked with Ubisoft Singapore, and then after a couple of years, popped over here, and yeah, that's a short story of it. Fantastic. All right. That gives us a ton to talk about. Before we do that, though, um, you said you watched my show, so you kind of know what's coming up next. I ask everybody a single question, so I'm going to ask you just like I ask everybody else. On a scale mm -hmm. of 1 to 10, 10 being high, how weird are you, Nicole? Oh, wow. Well, that depends on whether it's the inside perspective or the outside perspective. From my own perspective, I'm absolutely not weird, which makes me a one out of 10. On the other hand, depending on how people see me, it can range anywhere from five to eight, depending on how well aligned they are with the general state of the world. So when it comes to weirdness, what kind of stuff constitutes weirdness? I guess some of my interests might be a bit unconventional. Like for example, I like reading books. And people will say, oh, that doesn't seem so unusual, except in this day and age, you don't have a lot of people reading books. You don't have a lot of people reading anything longer than a couple lines on social media, maybe reading headlines on articles and skipping the rest. That happens a fair bit. But oh, yeah. yeah. Well, now you're making me feel weird. I, I read 200 pages a day. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, join the club, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Beautiful. Uh, now, Nicole, this is the Gamerpreneur podcast, so I do need your gaming cred. You told me a little bit about your childhood and all that, but when did you first start playing video games? Oh, wow. Let's see. I would say that that would be back in primary school in Singapore, and that would be, <laughs> that dates me a bit, it'll be about 1993. So that was basically the time that I got access to the first computer. Uh, no, not even the first computer. In fact, it was a knockoff gaming console <laughs> of uh, the Sega Genesis. And that was way back then when it started becoming its own reward system. And it was a bit later on that I got my PC, and that was when I started Command and Conquer. But on the Genesis, it was a lot of really, really old games that you would get from some, you know, some cartridge you would insert in. And sometimes, uh, if you bought one off the street, they might have a hundred games on board, and then you'll just be playing some random game. And then it was only later on that I realized that games like Joust and Centipede were actually classics. It was like, oh, there's just games on this cartridge, and there were so many of them, so I was just playing those, and. Yeah, I eventually went down to Command and Conquer and I was thinking, 
wow, this is the best RTS on earth. And then StarCraft came in and I was going, well, who, who cares about this thing? And it turns out it was its own phenomenon. And you're going, wow, okay, well, times change. So yeah. That's right. Man, I love StarCraft. That's what got me online, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, uh, what do you play today, if anything? Oh, today it, it's really interesting because of the kinds of games that I work on and the kinds of games that I have access to and what I'm working through on my backlog because there's this interaction between what's available on the Epic Store, what shows up on the Steam sale, what you're looking forward to play. And recently, I've actually been playing a bunch of indie games, amongst which were Frostpunk, and then I've got Oxen Free. In fact, I recently posted that I've finished Oxen Free, and that, that game is what? 2018 somewhere there it's, it's a couple of years back now but it's a really simple narrative based game but they really suck you in when you're playing that game and i'm just going wow yeah that is Very something cool all right now um not to date you but you said you started playing in 93 mm -hmm. um if you had to pick one game you know that you've been able to play as your all-time favorite which one would it be oh Elder scrolls 3 morrowind and this would be a strange one because i've had that question asked a number of times and each time I'm thinking of different games but eventually I gravitate towards Morrowind and it's really because that game is so darn exploitable um, you you can gain skills from doing all kinds of things and some of those systems are not really properly balanced so as a result you can do really really strange exploits and just make incredibly powerful characters using the game mechanics and I'm pretty sure that that's not really intentional but you know, when you're playing it, it's quite fun just seeing the ways you can break that game. And as a result, there's actually a lot to explore in it. And that's why it actually gave me a really great experience. So I'll have to say it's Morrowind. All right, I love it. Okay, fantastic. Now, um, let's go over to the printer. That's that's enough about video games for now. Um, All right. So you gave us a, just a very sneak peek about your professional background, but kind of, let's, uh, let's go and talk about, you know, where you came from professionally in order to end up at EA Dice. Oh, well, uh, that's a fun journey. And it actually starts in Singapore, right? And that's at a time when you don't have a lot of uh, professional game development going on. When I say professional, what I mean is uh, people who are trained in specialized schools, did the whole thing, got their certifications, came over to the games industry. I was not trained in that way, but there are lots of people who are trained in that way nowadays. So that's great. That's progress. But we were just trying to get an internship because, you know, you can't get into the industry without an internship, but you don't have a whole bunch of studios to work for. And there wasn't anything in the National University of Singapore. They didn't actually have internships available for uh, the games industry during my time. So I was going, oh my goodness, what do you do? So I, I actually wrote to the vice president of EA Singapore, uh, Chris Thompson at the time. And I said, hi, I'd like to have an internship at EA. And he replied, I said, why don't you come down for an interview? So got the interviewer saying, I like to work with game design in EA. And then I basically got a biz dev internship and I was saying, no, I, well, you know, I, I would prefer to do something else. I'd prefer to do game design. And then eventually I got into uh, the MIT Gambit Gaming Alliance. Basically it's a research alliance between MIT and Singapore. We did an indie title then. And then after that, I popped over to Ubisoft Singapore. So that was basically my first foray. Oh, well, before that, I was working with my professor as serious games researchers. So I was doing research in serious games. And then I thought to send a portfolio over to Ubisoft Singapore. And that's how I got in. Started working on Ghost Recon Phantoms. And yeah, after that, popped over to work on Skull and Bones. 
eventually left the company, worked indie with my friend for a little bit on uh, one of his games. And then after that, a recruiter said, hey, uh, you want to consider coming over to Stockholm? I was like, yeah, sure, let's do the interview. It turned out it was for uh, Frostbites. I didn't get the job. They actually hired a local Swede and I was going, okay, well, here it is. And then the second time, the same recruiter called and said, hey, why don't you uh, interview for this studio in Stockholm? I just did that. Yeah, well, this one's dice. Okay, we can do that. And long story short, that's how I wound up there. Very cool. And what's your position there? So I'm working as a senior games designer right now. I work primarily on gameplay. Uh, well, it's more like systems design within the game. Beautiful. Okay. And that's not your only focus. You also do something on the side, don't you? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a number of things, right? So it really depends on what we have. Um, I've been taking up coaching as a discipline. So that's part of the repertoire. I'm really interested in building people up. So it doesn't necessarily mean within the day job. It means that outside of work, working with people. In fact, um, I, I have a friend who's, um, who was actually a driver in Cambodia. And that was because I brought my family over to Siem Reap, had a great time, looked at Angkor Wat and all that. And then he has problems because you have no, you have no job over there. Um, I mean, right now, because of the COVID situation, he has no job. So I was telling him, have you considered going on YouTube? You know, it's like, get something out there. You have content. You, you're in an exotic place. You have an exotic life. People are interested in this stuff. So there are opportunities. And these are amongst the things that I do apart from, of course, uh, having another company running uh, in tandem with my wife. Beautiful. Okay. Now, Nicole, you have traveled the world. You have reached the heights of the gaming industry, right? What, you know, there, there are millions of people out there, you know, just like you who want to achieve those same things, but you were able to pull it off. What makes you special or different or unique? What, what inside of you is different from say someone living in Kenya who has those dreams, just aren't able to figure them out? Wow. That's a tough one. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I'm right at the pinnacle of you know, game development and things like that, but really ultimately is being absolutely lazy and utterly unreasonable. Uh, these are the two attributes I think that people should cultivate and people disagree. <laughs> they say, what laziness? You see, when you're really lazy, you want the most efficient solution to a problem, uh, be it being able to access the console more by getting your grades. How do you get good grades? Well, you study. But if you study all the hours, you have no time to play your games. So you have to find ways to study better. And that laziness, that urge to like shrink down the time spent on your efforts to be able to produce those results, that's part of it. And the other part is really being utterly unreasonable. And what I mean by that is if you want something, if you want to work towards something, uh, the reasonable person will say, oh, these things are impossible. You, you cannot do these things. Let's do things the reasonable way. But that tends to be the longer path. It takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort. And sometimes you don't even get there despite doing it. So I always say that these are the two attributes. If you are someone in Kenya, you would have a very, very hard time uh, being able to take those smaller steps to get you to your destination. So as a result, what can you do to hasten that process? What can you do to get to a different location maybe or to work for a certain local company that allows you to move towards that objective? So these are some thoughts on the matter. Okay, beautiful. Now, um, where do you go from here? Mm, where do I go from here? Ultimately, I would say it's one of those journeys that 
nobody really plans. And I don't really plan my life to say, I would like to get to that point. I lie. I always, of course, I have a point. It's somewhere up there with billions. Uh, <laughs> I'm always interested in finding ways to maximize potential. That means my potential, human potential, the potential of people around me, even the people on this podcast. It's, it's really about what's a good way using what people already have, what they desire, what they're good at, what can be done to take things to the next level. So on my side, it will be pretty much game design, right? When you're developing for really, really big IPs, how do you take those IPs to the next level? That's part of entrepreneurship where you're within a company and you're trying to innovate within this massive already established structure and trying to take that to the next level. And the next thing is also on the personal side where you say, hey, you want to build something for yourself. So entrepreneurship, when there are opportunities out there, you want to solve problems because when you solve those problems, that's where you take things to the next level as well. So I'm pretty much running that in parallel. Absolutely. Now, that's an interesting point you just made there, the difference between the entrepreneurship and the entrepreneurship. And you have kind of this position where you're doing both at the same time. Is one any particularly or more... Is one easier than the other or is it, um, do they have different challenges or can you kind of talk us through the difference between the two? I, I think it's really a delicate balance because usually when you go down one path, you try to avoid the other. And when you're working, you always have this, uh, there are certain terms of your employment that say, hey, you, you cannot do these things that uh, compete with the company. And you want to honor that because you, you signed up for this, right? So while you're doing it, what's that fine line you can walk that doesn't contravene it, but allows you to realize yourself, to solve problems, to actually develop things. So when it comes to those two, it is really about finding the balance that allows you to truly, you know, truly realize that the extent of uh, potential there. Fantastic. Okay. And um, I'm, I'm assuming you just didn't come into this world with all of the knowledge of knowing how to do all of these things. You've kind of had to figure things out as you've gone. What resources have you turned to, to be able to develop this, inf- this knowledge, the skills that you have? So that, that weirdness I was talking about, lots of books. Well, I mean, it's not just books, but I think books are a great way to scaffold knowledge. You, you need books as well as practical experience and you need the two running side by side because what happens with practical experience is you've done things and you truly feel it, right? Because when you read a book, it's an intellectual engagement. You you know certain facts. You say, oh, this is basically what a balance sheet is like. So you know the items in the balance sheet because if you read a business book, you learn about accounting, you, you understand these things. But when you're running a business and you have to engage with a balance sheet and you're guarding that bottom line, uh, that makes things very, very real and you suddenly realize, oh, these things in the book, they exist. And you have to interact with them. You have to work with them. And you have to make sure you're responsible with this stuff so you don't end up in jail because, you know, you, you messed up a few things. So, yeah, I, I would say that's uh, definitely a big part of it. Okay. So, you know, Nicole, you have a lot going on. And I'm, I'm trying to find a way to, like wind through this conversation because if I ask one thing, well, I leave out the other half, right? Or if I ask about this, I'll leave out that half. So I, I want to ask you for advice. You know, if someone out there is listening, what advice do you have? And the thing is that you do so much. Like if I ask, ask just that general question, you're, you might pick one direction. So can we like bifurcate that question and, you know, on the game design and, um, and that journey you went through there, what advice do you have if someone wanted to follow in your footsteps there, but also on the entrepreneurship side? 
Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's have that. So on one side, there's you know game design, and on the other side is entrepreneurship. And ultimately, when you want to get into game design, there's only one solution to that, which is basically do game design. And what that basically means is you play games, and you see how those games are put together. You're like, why does Mario jump this high? Uh, why are the gaps this big? Why why do you have certain timings for those jumps? What goes into that when you start breaking things down and understanding the thought process behind the games that are being developed and then this is the theoretical right you say oh i i think these are the elements the next is really to implement them within some kind of a game and this is actually what got me into the industry in the first place because it's about mods where okay i i don't have a coding background i'm not an experienced coder i mean i can read code but it doesn't mean that i'm going to be writing stuff from scratch that's the extent of my experience but you could very much go into a game editor from some other game you start punching in all this stuff you say in theory this should work you have that and now you have a game design that hopefully you've documented and you can actually present as portfolio because that allows you to start approaching companies and saying hey guys i did this thing with your game using your editor these this is my process and i really like to work with you all and of course these days you are really up against much firmer um, competition because these guys come from schools they have great portfolios it's much better than anything that i could hack together back in the day so if you're of that particular age and you're thinking of really leaning into this go go to a school because that's really another great way to get ahead so this is one of the things i would say about game design breaking in and trying to get them to the industry as for entrepreneurship this is a fun one um mainly because again it's the theory and the practical and the theory is of course you read books and see how great entrepreneurs do their thing on the other hand you want to practice you want to do stuff but at the same time it's always really intimidating because you say am i going to dedicate all my life risk all my personal finances just to get into this thing and i say well not really because as a kid i would i i like photography right so i have cameras lenses and all that wonderful stuff and then of course as a kid i don't have a lot of budget so i don't really have the money to buy this stuff so what do i do i go to a second hand place and there were forums where people are selling cameras i would buy cameras i like them i use them take photos and have really nice photos and after that i say oh but i want to upgrade my equipment what do i do i sell that second hand stuff back for a profit and then i use the proceeds to upgrade my equipment so i was actually able to continue upgrading my camera kit by basically arbitraging the market and how do i even know the word arbitrage right well that's because i read books on this stuff and then they were saying oh you know you can actually game price differences i'm saying ha huh. Well, that's cool. So you can actually do that. And as an entrepreneur, it's really about seeing opportunities and having at least the basic knowledge scaffolding. You don't need to know how to build rockets to Mars, for example. That's you know that's very specialized knowledge. But it's you need to know that it's possible to build rockets to get to Mars. And once you know that possibility, you start asking questions. It's like if I wanted to build rockets and fly to Mars, what would I need to do? And it's through finding. solutions to these questions you you ask the questions you get the answers that's the path to entrepreneurship because you start being able to go step by step and building the thing that will get you to places
Fantastic. That's beautiful advice. Okay. Now I want to talk about you a little more personally, if we can. So Nicole, I'd like to hop in a time machine with you. We're going to go back in time to 1993 and little, little Nicole back then had just gotten her game system taken away for the first time. Okay. Oh, I and that one. You're going to get to go up to little Nicole and you're going to be able to tell Nicole, you know, everything that's going to happen in her future, all the ups, all the downs, all the things that she's going to learn. You're going to part all of your wisdom and knowledge upon her. But if there was only one thing that you can make sure that she absolutely had to know, what would that one thing be? I would tell her, whatever you do, don't be afraid of the stuff that you think you wouldn't like. And it's one of those things where there are blind spots and you don't want to get into certain things because you were told, someone told you, you learned somehow that you should not be involved in these things. And in fact, amongst those things that I was told informed, influenced, not to get into was business because it's difficult. It's boring. It's the kind of stuff that, you know, nobody really wants to get into. Why do you want to get involved with that? And I believed it as a kid because it's like, Hey, I'm a kid. I didn't understand this kind of stuff. So someone told me that I believed them. And then later on, I was like, you know, this stuff is actually fascinating. The more I read about it, the more I like it. What the heck, you know? So it's really being able to break through your own biases and you get into stuff and if it turns out you really don't like it at the end, that's fine. You know, you can move on. But if you forever wall it off just because you believe something, uh, that's just limiting. So I would recommend not to do that. Fantastic. Okay. Getting a little more personal still. You see, Nicole, I actually believe the word we were, man, today, I believe that we learn the most in our life from our failures in our life, not necessarily from our successes. Because when you succeed the first time you try something, it may just be luck, right? You don't like, ah, I don't know what happened. But if you fail, you're gonna figure out what went wrong and be able to move past it and iterate until you get to a success. So I'd like to ask you, what do you consider your biggest failure in life? And what did you learn from it? I, I think it's exactly the thing that got me to that life lesson, which is basically my biggest failure in life is being afraid. And being afraid of the things that I tell myself I was told I was influenced into not wanting to get into. And there were so many opportunities I passed on in the course of my life, especially, you know, when, when you talk about kids in school, uh, they're they are frequently skipping school because they didn't like this, but they like that. And then they're trying things out. I never tried things out, mainly because why? Well, I was told, do well in school, you get your console games. So I was kind of tunnel vision, right? It's like, that's the thing I'm going to do. And that's how I am still. I'm, I'm the sort, if I want to get something done, I'm going to do that one thing until the thing happens. And it's not always the best because sometimes you want some diversity. You want a little bit of variety to be able to expand your experiences. And I, I think the biggest mistake was really that particular tunnel vision where you go, oh, wow. You, you reach all the way to university and you realize that throughout the rest of your childhood, you've not actually tried to do other stuff. It's like, sometimes you just stop and think, would life be significantly different if I tried that? But then again, I wouldn't be me. So I wouldn't be able to tell what it's all about. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking about it. All right. Thank you for sharing that. I absolutely understand. I went through law school. So like I went television through school, I get it. And then you wake up, you're like, wait a second. <laughs> okay. On the flip side of that mm -hmm. question, Nicole, what is sure. something that you're working to improve on yourself today? Ah, today. Yeah, there, there's an ample amount of stuff, but really I'm actually revising today. And when I say today, I mean like in this current general period of time, and that's just 
grabbing those old finance books and going through them over again and accessing a bunch of new ones, ultimately just, just reading about really successful people, how they got there, their own failures in life, and ultimately what they have learned from it. Because right now I'm actually looking, taking a big step back in life and just going, okay, this is life from 30,000 feet. You're looking down, what do we have? And then just meditating on that and figuring out why we're going to play next. And that's ultimately what I'm really up to improving. It's gaining perspective, I guess, if you had to have a TLDR version of that. Wonderful. All right, Nicole, this has been a fantastic interview. Thank you so much. How do people find you? Where are you on social media, contact information, all that, please? Oh, I think the easiest way is really just get in touch on LinkedIn because uh, you, you get a lot of weird stuff going on Facebook and other places. And ultimately, it's not always the best platform to get in touch with. But when it comes to LinkedIn, it's really pure. You can just go for Nicole Lee. You just look up Nicole Lee on LinkedIn and you'll find me. Fantastic. All right. Now, as we wrap this up, Nicole, do you have any final thoughts you want to share? Anything I didn't ask you think we still need to cover? Hmm. Yeah, no, I'm actually really thinking about the podcast. I'm just thinking about the audience. And it's really that there are so many opportunities in life. And I, I think it's really, I'll just encourage your listeners to just take a really big step back in life. Just gain some perspective and say, okay, where am I? Do I really want to do the thing that I'm doing right now? Do I really want to follow through on this? And if the answer is yes, don't stop. Just, just go all the way, right? But if the answer is no, this is where you have a chance to make choices. And this is where you can start saying, okay, but what do I really want? And the moment you identify that, that's, that's rocket fuel. That's the stuff that will get you places. So yeah, that's, that's my final thought at the moment. Beautiful. All right, Nicole. Thank you so much. I genuinely do appreciate you coming on and taking the time with us today. Yeah, likewise. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And for everybody else, I'm going to remind you all, don't be just a gamer, be a gamerpreneur.